Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. I want to start out with a premise today, and here's my premise, and that is this. There are powers that be that are presently pressing in on you. They're working right now to steer and move you. And they're wanting to shape you and mark you. Right now, under the sound of my voice, wherever you are, if you're here with me in Quispamsis, or maybe you're watching this online, maybe even it's at a later date, uh, but if Christ has not returned yet, I can assure you that right now, at present, these powers are at work. They move through the airways, through culture, through entertainment, through industry, through media and social media, through technology, through the internet, through art. They, are, they press down upon us. They move through the economy and through parliament and through government, through the geopolitical landscape of this world. They influence us. They move through our relationships, through our ideas, through our cravings, through human influence, and they are actively seeking to manipulate you and move you and shape you and mark you and control you and mar you and destroy you. They are malevolent, destructive powers and they are at play right now. And now some of you are saying, yeah, I know, that's right. And some of you are saying, "Uh uh-oh, here comes the conspiracy, where's my tinfoil hat? Some of you might jump right to the conclusion, yeah, we know there's some things going on. There's some problems and powers in this world. Trudeau's the problem. Higgs is the problem. Or no, some of you might go a little deeper than that. No, 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 no. It's, it's It's not them. It's the Russians. It's Russian bots. No, it's Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg and Facebook and those big, the Googles. And those big corporations. It's big tech. And no, some of you are like, no, it's, it's big pharma forcing their little drugs on us. It's, that's, that's what the problem is. And some of you are like, nope, it's, it's the progressive ideology that's absolutely wreaking havoc on society, that's tearing us apart and tearing families and identity apart. That's, what, that's where the real problem is. And some of you are like, nope, nope, you're all wrong. It's the new world order behind it all, pulling the strings. To be honest, none of those are entirely wrong. I think a savvy person is waking up today to see that maybe there's, there's more going on. Like you look around the world and you ask yourself the question, excuse my French, what the hell is happening here? And you start to think, hmm, maybe there are some things at play. Maybe there is more than meets the eye. Maybe there is something going on. Now, if Facebook and YouTube hasn't cut the feed already and censored me, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 13 because it's going to give you eyes to see what's really going on and who is really pulling the strings and what's happening when they do. Now, just to catch some of you up, we are in the book of Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible. And although it's sometimes confusing and has been often misinterpreted, misinterpreted and misapplied, we are learning that the purpose of this message, these images, this revelation that was given was actually given to us, the people of God, to have a lens to see things that we can't presently see with our own naked eye and understanding. It was given to us to show us powers and things that are at work in hidden ways, in hidden realities, both present 
and future. And so it's a mistake to just say this only is going to apply someday. It's also a mistake to say this only applies now. This is a lens that was given to us to help us see reality both at work at present and to come in the future. And we have been learning that actually it's good news. It was given so that we would have grace, not be afraid, but we'd actually have an awareness as to what reality ultimately is. And if you were tracking with us two years ago, I mean, we started from the beginning and we found out that ultimate reality is this, that there is a lamb. Jesus Christ is on the throne of the universe. And right now he is actively rolling out the sovereign plan of God inch by inch and day by day, squeezing out all that degrades and destroys his creation and his kingdom is crashing into this earth in real time. And one day, as we talked about last week, Jesus will return and fully establish his kingdom, eradicating this creation and this world from sin, Satan, death, to to which all God's people said, Amen. amen. And so we come today, though, because we're looking at the last chapters and we're looking at how this whole thing wraps up and when Jesus comes back and begins to establish his kingdom in its fullness. And we're going to spend a couple weeks starting next week on heaven and how God sort of gives us a picture and a glimpse of what we have to look forward to. But today we need to kind of see something that might easily be missed. And so let's look at Revelation chapter 13 because it exposes the power players that are right now affecting and infecting This world, our lives, our thoughts, our families, our relationships, the countries we live in, these are the power players at work. And I'm going to read all of Revelation 13, and then we're going to unpack it. Can we dive in today? Are you good to go on the deep dive? All right, so open your Bible and leave it open. Take some notes. This one's going to be a slow burn. You're not going to like want to get up and run around the room and fall on your face. This is going to be one of those ones you're going to be thinking about all week. So I just want you to like settle in and just start to like let the Lord speak. Even even now, let's just pray. Holy Spirit, would you just show us what we need to see and would you just speak? And we just say that you're the author of life and you are not a spirit of confusion but clarity. So bring clarity into things that are easily misapplied and misinterpreted. misinterpreted. We pray this in Jesus' name everybody said amen revelation chapter 13 says this the dragon who we saw in chapter 11 and 12 that's the adversary we'll talk about that in a minute the dragon stood on the shore of the sea so so picture almost that picture of him straddling between sea and land that's kind of the picture it says i saw a beast coming out of the sea And it had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name, a name opposed to the Lamb. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. These are images drawn from Daniel. The dragon gave the beast his power. That's important. If you're an underliner, underline that. He gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. So this beast has authority that was given by the dragon. Take note. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound. It looked like he died, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. There it is again. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies. There it is again kind of opposing the Almighty and to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. We'll come back to this in a couple weeks. One of the works of the enemy is to actually slander heaven. We're actually going to talk about heaven here in a couple weeks, but today we've got to look at the beast. 
Keep going. Seven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Wait, we've heard that before somewhere. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast and all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. We we saw that earlier in Revelation. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity, they will go. You're going to be lost by this beast. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword, they will be killed. This beast is going to destroy you. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Highlight that. Then I saw a second beast. So one beast came out of the sea, and now another one's coming out of the earth. It had two horns like like a lamb. It wasn't a lamb. It was like a lamb. But it spoke like a, say it, like a dragon. Oh. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf. So watch this. The dragon gave the first beast authority, and the first beast gave the second beast authority. You catching it? And it made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Finally, it says, because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. Highlight and circle and underline and put an asterisk beside, deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, liberal and conservative, left and right, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which in is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. And all God's people said, whoa. That's a lot. We're going to unpack this. Now, we're not going to, we could dive way deep to the point where it's not even helpful, but I want us to just dive deep enough to get the gist of what it's trying to tell you and I today and how that affects our lives in the here and now. It calls us for wisdom and faithful endurance, and it exposes three power players at work right now on the earth. And John is trying to unmask them for us to see what's really going on, that it's not actually people that are the enemy, that behind the people, behind the media, behind the corporations, behind the government, behind the politicians, there are powers and principalities at work that are serving the dragon ultimately to cause you to blaspheme or to worship something other than the lamb, the one true God. That's ultimately what John is trying to get you to see in HD 4K vision so that we can understand what is going on in this world. It's it's like what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6. Do you remember this? Some of you know this scripture. Paul was trying to tell some of the first Christians, listen, don't be duped by the beast. Don't be duped by the dragon into thinking your enemy is something that it's not. We, We struggle not against flesh and blood, against people. 
But behind people and how they are acting or behind the things, there are these rulers, powers, principalities, authorities of this dark world. We, we war against them and the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And what Revelation 13 is doing is giving us a glimpse into the heavenly realms. And how these heavenly powers and principalities, now when you think of heavenly places, you automatically think of heaven where God is. But it's actually speaking about the spiritual reality of the universe that we live in that is actually affecting the material reality in real time. And that's what starts to, we start to see in this Revelation 13. It's exposing the hidden powers. N.T. Wright, one of my favorite theologians, one of probably the foremost New Testament scholar on planet Earth, he said this in his Revelation commentary, as often in the world of real politic or underworld dealings, so think of like a mob boss, so in the world of spiritual warfare, the ultimate powers prefer not to show themselves. They hide behind puppets and human agents or corporations or governments, but they want to act through others. They choose secondary or tertiary, tertiary intermediaries, they give them some of their power and back them up when necessary. It is, of course, easy to invent conspiracy theories about everything to see hidden influences at work in what are, in fact, random events. But it is just as easy and dangerous to imagine that events are proceeding in a purely random fashion when, in fact, there are powers, forces, energies propelling them in a particular direction. And that's what Revelation 13 is trying to get you to see. There are powers that are pushing this world. They're forcing themselves upon you, trying to mark you, trying to shape you and control you and manipulate you so that you do anything but worship the Lamb. Because only through worshiping the Lamb is there real life. It's trying to destroy you. I want us to just really quick, I want us to try to unmask these powers. It gave us insight into them. If, if you were paying attention, there were three characters in 13. You with me? Three main characters. And, and what it is is a counterfeit trinity. Just the way we have God, the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit. There's this counterfeit trinity, these counterfeit powers at work trying to bring destruction and havoc. Where the trinity, where God, the Godhead is trying to bring life and clarity. The counterfeit trinity is trying to bring confusion and destruction in your life. And so we, we meet the characters. First, it talks about the dragon. We met the dragon in chapters 11 and 12. The dragon, it says in verse 1, stood on the shore of the sea. And it's this picture of the intersection between heaven and earth. I don't want to dive too deep into it, but biblically speaking, the sea represents the immaterial world. If you remember in Genesis, that the, the spirit hovered over the waters, it says. The waters represent chaos. It can represent the immaterial world, the spiritual realm. But it says he also stood on the shore. So this power has dominion. It operates in the spirit, but it has effect in the physical realm. Stay with me. And we, we know that the dragon is ultimately the destroyer, the devourer, the deceiver, the degrader of God's people. Now it says that the dragon, I saw a beast come from the sea. So this one beast comes and it has these, this, 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 like a bear and a leopard. And it's a picture 
that's drawn out of Daniel. If you read the end of Daniel, there's these, these beasts that come, and those beasts are tied into different empires and different powers that actually live through the world. You can trace it right through, like the Babylonian and the Syrian and the Roman and the Greek empire, and these pictures are drawn from that, and it's trying to get you to see the powers of ideas and beliefs and ideologies and information and propaganda and intimidation and the, the, the lies of progress and prosperity, they're the powers that move and motivate us, the beast of the sea. Then it says, I saw another beast from the land. And so uh, the, way I like to, oh, the way I like to think about it, let's go back. Oh, too many slides, Brent. The way I like to think about it, some people say that the beast of the sea is empire and the beast of land is like religion and politics and all that. And I think that's that's a fair assessment. But the way I kind of want to divide it is to sort of see that it's getting more and more material, more visceral. Do you you understand? Like there's Satan has given his power to ideas and ideologies and empires and conquests. And those things often embody a face. Caesar, Greece, the Roman Empire, religion, nations, rulers, military, corporations, politicians, technology, industry. These powers aren't just these visceral, immaterial things, are they? They actually have an agency in the world we live in. Are you tracking? Like there's actual tangible realities that these things work through. And that's, that's what it's ultimately saying. Is like this isn't just some philosophical idea about evil. But the dragon manifests himself in ideas and power that manifests itself in human agency. Politicians and politics and political parties and nations and empires. He's actually exercising his will through those agents. Very important. Catch it. So in other words, before I lose everybody, here's how I would say it. The beasts are dragon-manipulated powers, both invisible and visible, invisible and material or tangible, that look to induce people to worship anything but the one true God. Any power or promise or deception that pushes human beings away from worship and alignment with the one true God is the work of the dragon through the beast. That's ultimately what this is saying. So anytime you've come in your life into, up against some power that has caused you to defy God or doubt God or go against him, that is the work of the dragon through the beast. That's what it's saying. Now some of you are like, so... Some of you like grew up in church and you're like, well, so when is the beast going to show up on the earth? You know, some, some of you have some real baggage for, of revelation that needs to be untangled. The answer is the beasts are already active. The, there, Jesus said there will be many antichrists, not just one. There, there will be many. And so these beasts are already at play right now. You are, you are under their influence constantly. So am I. They are working. They have been throughout human history. I mean, you go through the Old Testament, you see the beasts. 
You see it right in Genesis. You see it in, the, in, the, in Egypt and Pharaoh. You see it in Babylon and Persia and Syria. You see it in Rome and Greece. You see it all throughout human history. Anytime empires and powers have risen up to cause people to submit themselves to it and not to the one true king, that is the beast. That is the beast, and it is a deception of the devil. The beast is at play right now. And so John is saying you need to wake up to this reality. You need to see what's actually going on. You need to, we need to expose these beasts. He goes on and he says that this calls for faithful endurance. And he says this calls for wisdom. And so what I want us to do for a few minutes, I want to set you up to have wisdom to see differently the powers that are at work in and around your life and I want us to call, to call us to step forward. And I believe that's what God is doing in this hour, that the church would rise up and actually learn not just to be aware of the, the schemes of the devil, but to actually stand and endure those forces that push themselves against us to try to call us to bow the knee to anything but Jesus. So if I had a title for my message today, it would be this, Unmarked and Unmoved by Anything But Jesus. That's the call. So let's really quick, let's break down I want us to break down, you know, what the beast does, how they move, and so how we can know them, get some understanding, and then how we can stand against them. So here's three ideas, three ways that the dragon through the beast tries to manipulate you, mark you, and mar you, and destroy you. Are you ready? You got three of them. Three D words. They all start with D, so you can remember it. Number one is through deception. The dragon through the beast aims to deceive, to whisper lies into your mind and into your heart to deceive you from the truth. God is truth, and so anything that the devil can do to cause you to believe something that is not quite fully true, that's what he's after. Remember the old preacher said the devil's best lie is 99% true. That's a great statement. That's what the, the beasts are doing is actually aiming to deceive you. We actually see it in, the, in Revelation 13. Did you spot the deceptions as we read it? The devil is a counterfeiter. He tries to create things that look like God, but they aren't actually God. They look like truth, but they aren't actually truth. They look like love, but they aren't actually love. That's what he does, and he, tre- he creates these counterfeits. Did you catch it? Even in Revelation 13, all these counterfeit gospels, these counterfeit gods, this counterfeit trinity. It says that one of the beast's heads was as if it was slain. Wait, we saw that the lamb was slain. Oh, he's playing like he was slain too. It says the earth worships the dragon and the beast. Wait, we saw in Revelation 5 that the whole universe worships the lamb. It says that he mimics signs and wonders just like the lamb does signs and wonders. And the, and the two witnesses do signs and wonders. He mimics it. It says that he exercises authority over every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. We heard that in Revelation 7, that the lamb is calling every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. You see, he's a counterfeiter. It says that he seals its followers with a mark. Do you remember in Revelation chapter 5? The lamb sealed his followers with a mark. He's a counterfeiter. 
He tries to deceive you through little half-truths, things that look like God but aren't actually God, to set up a false God in your mind. He's been doing this from the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, the first time you see the, the dragon at work, the serpent. How does he get in? How does he get sin in? Deception. Did God really say you can't eat any tree in the garden? It's something that sounds sort of true. It's a subtle deception. And then it's interesting, I was thinking about this, Genesis 3, per N.T. Wright's quote, you see the devil actually kind of take a back seat and start to work through different agents throughout the rest of the Bible. The only other time you see the devil in the Bible is in Matthew 4 where Jesus is tempted. But Jesus himself said the devil is the father of lies. Lies are his native language. Paul says that he masquerades himself as an angel of light. See, that's the subtle thing here, is that the, the devil, the dragon, the beast, they come to us as messengers of hope, messengers of opportunity and equality, trust and inclus inclusivity. But it's a subtle deception. It's a subtle deception. He's looking to mark us, to, to actually own us. It's... um. Interesting, the number 666, you caught that, right? You've heard that before. There's a few different things that we can pull from, but one of the things that the devil is trying to do is to occupy your mind. He says they're marked 666. His mark is on their forehead. What's, what's that referring to? If you know your scripture in Deuteronomy, there's something called the Shema. And the Shema is a, a saying and a statement of, of Jewish faith that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. There is one God, and we will keep his word on our minds, in our mouths, and in our hands. The mark of the beast, if it's anything, is an anti-Shema. It's an anti-Shema. It's a false claim about who God is. And so the devil's trying to get in with, with the counterfeit claims, counterfeit gospels. Counterfeit kingdoms, counterfeit Christs, that's what antichrists are. These would-be saviors that come in and call you to trust them. Whatever it is, trust human progress, trust the science. Too soon? Yeah. <laughs> right? Trust us, your government, who have your best interests in mind. Wh whatever is setting itself up to call you to trust it, ultimately, in the place of the Almighty God, in the place of the Lamb, is itself a beast. And we, the people of God, have got to see them for what they are. They work through deception. They work through deception. Number two, they work, then it moves to division. Just, just one more word on the deception. Like, have you noticed how much confusion there is right now? Like, how so little makes sense, even, like the powers of confusion are at work, even as you're like trying to like make sense of the media. Like last week alone, so I'm like, I'm watching Joe Rogan get canceled. Like Neil Young, for some reason, decides that he's cool with having his music on the same platform as R. Kelly, who's a known rapist, but not okay with having his music okay. Apple releases a dude that's pregnant emoji. Uh, is, is everyone's getting uncomfortable right now. Let, no, this is confusing. Let me call it for what it is. It's backwards. It's upside down and inside out. It's twisty and turvy and trying to make it sound right. You're seeing, you're seeing uh, this, this trucker thing happen. 
You're seeing, um, oh, everyone's getting so uncomfortable in here. I can feel it. You're, see, you're seeing uh, GoFundMe pull funding for this convoy. And I'm not even saying whether I'm supporting it or not. I'm just, I'm just observing the insanity. They're pulling their funding for this convoy, but they're fine with like other, other protests where there was things burning down. And I, they, they supported CHOP. Do you remember CHOP? No, you don't. You, you, were, you were not in the weeds far enough. That crazy group of people, I think they were in like Seattle or Portland where they set up this like counterculture. There were people murdered and GoFundMe supported that, but they're not. Anyway, all that to say, it's freaking insane right now. It's confusion. It's deception. The beast knows as long as you're chasing your tail, you can't chase Jesus. As long as you are confused and you're chasing down that rabbit hole and going down that vortex. And, and has anybody found themselves going down like the vortex on YouTube and Facebook? And just the devil is fine with you hunting for truth. It's fine with you going down, you and Alex Jones, all the way down the vortex. He's fine with it. And the devil is so fine with it because you know what happens as we chase down these things and we get caught on these rabbit trails, it leads us to division. And that's really where he's ultimately trying to get you. He's trying to take you into this place where we're basically drawing lines in separation. And he starts, you start to villainize and demonize other people. That's ultimately what the beast is trying to do, to cause you and I to draw lines. He's a destroyer, a disintegrator. Do you know what disintegrating is? It's to draw little lines, factions, fractions. He is pushing to try to get people to turn against people, moms to turn against husbands, wives to turn against husbands, kids to turn against parents, families to break apart. That's what he's trying to do. And aren't we seeing it right now? I saw, I saw on CBC, I saw this article. It said in the article, CBC posted, that people are severing friendships over convoy protests with some saying it shows true colors. Some quotes that someone posted, it seems like this convoy has brought out everybody's true colors with people you never would have thought had certain closed-minded train, trains of thought. I think I've unfriended like 100 people, and that includes some family, he said. I won't even talk to them anymore. See, that's, that's happening right now. It's happening in our own relationships. See, the devil's great with you chasing your opinion all the way to the bank, especially if it comes at the expense of unity and it comes at the expense of your relationships. He would love to turn your family upside down because you're holding too hard to your perspective. And here's the other subtle thing is the devil could care less whether you're liberal or conservative, progressive or conservative. He doesn't care doesn't care. He's, he just wants the extremes because the extremes divide and cut. He doesn't care if you're trying to make America great again like Trump. It's like, yeah, you go ahead and make America great again as long as the kingdom's not getting made. He doesn't care if you're as woke as Trudeau. You know, sitting there. Anyway, I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not doing it. It's a trap. No, listen, listen. It's a freaking trap. No, I'm not joking. It's a trap. It is a trap. Whenever we get, man, wasting breath, how much breath have I wasted? 
venting about politicians and governments. The beast is happy for your attention. Doesn't care if it's critical attention or adoration as long as you're not paying attention to the lamb. He doesn't care. Do you see? It's so subtle. He's trying to divide us. He's trying to bring division. And then ultimately, he's a degrader, a degrader. You know, one of the things about the 666, there's a bunch of things that you can do. One thing is that it's a numeric value. It literally says his number is 666. And so it's trying to get the first century Christians to realize, okay, right now, it's talking about Nero Caesar, but there have been many beasts. There have been many beasts, and there have been since then, and there will be. But one of the things that 666 shows us is, again, that, he, that, that the enemy is a degrader. That he wants to mark us with his number, which, what is 666? Six is the number of man, if you know biblical numerology. Six is the number of man. What is God's number? Does anybody know this? Seven. God's number is seven. So, so if God's number is seven, if God, is, if God has said over you, you know, woman of God, I have, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I have put my glory and my image in you. I've called you and destined you. If he's spoken that seven reality over, you know what the devil wants to come into? He wants to bring you down. Say, no, 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 no. No, you're less than that. You're not fearfully and wonderfully made. You weren't made for glory. You should be ashamed of what you did. See, he's an oppressor. He heaps shame on people. He condemns. He is a divider. He seeks to come against your God-given identity and freedom and power. Do you know that God made you to have dominion on the earth? He made you for freedom. He made you to walk in authority. You have been made in God's very image. And the devil wants to come in and he wants to take you down. Not as a free person, he wants to control you. Not as a person who's glorious, but a person who's humiliated and full of shame. That's what he's doing. He's manipulating and controlling and oppressing and containing and holding back. That's what the beast is trying to do. He is a divider. He is a degrader. He wants to downgrade you. Do you understand? He wants you to settle for less than God has for you. And he is working through powers right now in real time. Here's how I would wrap this little lesson on what the beast is up to. Up. The dragon is trying to destroy you through his beasts by deception, division, and degradation. We, the people of the Lamb, Marked by the Lamb who do believe, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. There is no other God but Him. Have no other gods before you. Meditate on His law day and night. Let, let His word not pass from our mouth, let, not depart from our mouths. We must recognize the traps and resist the powers in allegiance to the true ruler, King Jesus. We need to be unmarked and unmoved by the beast. I've had people ask me, you know, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? And I don't think it is. I just think it's a vaccine. Sorry. Someone's like, I thought you were on our team. 
No, if you're on team Jesus, I'm on your team. Uh, I don't think the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I don't think the mark of the beast is that easy. I, don't, I, don't, I think the devil is a much more cunning liar than making it so simple as to yes or no, get a vaccine. I think he's happy to make you obsess and fear about something. I think he's happy to make you weaponize something, whether you have it or you don't. I don't know if the vaccine, I don't, I don't believe the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I'm not sure, you know, before Jesus comes back, there will be something that's marking people. But I know right now, there are some marks of the beast that are obvious. Anywhere there's deception, that's the mark of the beast. Lies are the mark of the beast. Half-truths that sound right but aren't actually true, that's the mark of the beast. And those deceptions lead to things that do mark us. You know, Paul said the work of the flesh is obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, anger, jealousy, discord, envy, violence. Those things are obvious. If those things are marking your life, you are being marked by the beast. If you're marked by division, you know, the beast might be marking you more than you think. You're out here worrying about the vaccine and then you're drawing lines and you're unfriending people. That's the mark of the beast, division. Division. But don't be fooled. It's not at the expense of truth. See, again, the devil is happy for you to just run down one channel and forsake truth. The mark of the beast looks like degradation. If you're marked by shame and condemnation, you are presently marked by the beast. That is not what it means to be sealed by the lamb. To be sealed by the lamb is to be covered in grace. Acceptance, glory, forgiveness, peace, prosperity, to know that God has a plan for me, a plan to prosper me and to give me a hope and a future. So if you're marked by fear, you're marked by the beast. If you're marked by anxiety, you're marked by the beast. If you're marked by insecurity, you're marked by the beast. If you're marked by criticism and a critical spirit, you're marked by the beast. You, you catching it? Like this is affecting you in real time a lot more than just something as simple as, well, I hope I didn't get the vaccine and have the mark of the beast. Your worry about that could be the mark of the beast. You hear me? He, the devil is a liar. A subtle liar that is working to twist and distort and corrupt and corrode and destroy you. And destroy the people of God who are supposed to be the ones who are following the lamb to come and say, Hey, we know the truth. And everyone's welcome. And there's glory for you. So how do we fight? Really quick. Thank you, for, thank you for fighting just to pay attention today. I know it's a lot. Three ways that we need to resist the powers. First, we fight lies through the truth of Jesus. Hear me, church. We cannot lean on our own understanding. You hear me? You cannot lean on your own feelings and your own interpretations. We must 
lean on the word of God, period. Like we gotta, we gotta just raise up the authority of scripture again in the church, in our families, say we're Bible people. We don't care what's popular. Popularity comes and goes. You know what? Right now it's popular to be progressive. There'll be a time in my lifetime, if I live even another 20 years where it's popular to be conservative, and then the church is going to have to stand up and say, nope, that's not the way, this is the way. How many of you have felt that the, the path of following Jesus is very narrow? It is. It just is. It's not, it's not way off in the left. Jesus is not a conservative, y'all. You know, Jesus, as much as some of you are like, go truckers, Jesus is not in heaven saying, yes, if the truckers just accomplish it, we're going to be good. Like, and I'm not saying, I'm, I'm fine, yes, I'm, I'm for freedom. I'm not, I'm not, do you hear me? Like, the devil just wants to pull your hope off of Jesus and to pull your trust off the truth of Jesus. So we fight, first and foremost, by saying, Jesus is my truth. Jesus is my truth. And what the scripture has revealed about Jesus is my truth. And any spirit that comes and says something contrary to what Jesus has already revealed about himself in the scripture is not my truth. Come on, somebody. Like, we've got to push back against that in our families, in our own minds and relationships, and not allow these. This is why it says in John, like, learn to test the spirits. Because there are lying spirits that will come and say, well, Jesus just wants us to be happy. Jesus loves everybody. Yes, he does. But he loves us not at the expense of truth. He loves us enough to tell us the truth. He loves us enough to say, if you follow your heart, you're going to follow it into destruction. The beast has marked you. We fight back through truth, the truth of Jesus. Let me just say it once more. You cannot... Lean on your own understanding. You know the freedom that comes from just saying, you know what, I'm just going to do my best to trust the scripture. I'm just going to do my best to do what it says. And just like, remember that old song, David? You remember that song? Uh, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take, take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know Thus saith the Lord. Just, just, that destroys the beast, y'all. Just like, I just trust Jesus. I'm just trusting him. Number two, we fight back through grace. See, Jesus came full of grace and truth. And it was never one without the other. See, conservatives are trying to pull us deep into the truth at the expense of grace. And progressive ideology is trying to pull us deep into grace at the expense of truth. Jesus is full of both. And so you and I, we cannot be callous in the truth. The church cannot afford to be callous in the truth. We fight the division of the enemy through grace. When we just say God is full of mercy, come all you who are weary and heavy laden and he will give you rest. And we fight division through offering our lives in self-sacrifice the same way Jesus did. That overcomes the enemy. That overcomes the enemy when you lay down your right to be right and say, I love you. When you set your opinions aside and just say, we, 
Look, we don't have to agree. We can still be brother and sister. We can still be friends. We fight division through the grace of Jesus. Last thought. We fight degradation through the glory of Jesus. Church, we have got to be the people that see the best in people. Amen? When we, when we hear language that demonizes, we recognize that as the work of the beast. Amen? If you hear language that demonizes, that is not the voice of the lamb. The lamb speaks grace and second chances and God's appointment and destiny and purpose and intentionality and glory. That's what the lamb speaks. Whenever there's demonization and desecration and that voice that puts people down, that is not the voice of the lamb. And so we need to be the people that see people as God-created, God-image, glory holders. Even people who are making horrible mistakes, we see the God in them. We see God's imprint on them and that God has great things for them. Amen? We speak life over people. We fight it. That's how we fight the beast. But the, the, I want to end with this. I want to read uh, Revelation 19 because... Um, I just, I really, just to be vulnerable, I truly am going to be done. And uh, my remote died, guys, so can you turn it to Revelation 19, last two slides. But I, I really wrestled with doing this sermon. Melanie, Melanie knows, like, I just spent a lot of time this week trying to figure out, like, should I do this? Because it's a lot, and I understand it's just a lot to, to even try to, like, wrap your head around. Uh, but I felt like God wanted to give you a lens to kind of see a little, see through. Like next time you're watching Justin Trudeau, you're like, what a pretentious, you know what? And you're like, wait, uh, that's, not, that's not the voice of Jesus. Or what if you're looking at the trucker convoy and you're like, look at those, look at those terrorists. That's not the voice of Jesus. But I felt like God said, I, was on a, I went for a walk and I was just praying. And I felt the Lord say, don't just, don't just preach the beast's existence. Preach their end. There is coming a moment, and we read this last week, and we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at heaven's establishment on the earth. But there's coming a moment, and someone needs to hear this because you, maybe you're like me, you're like, Frig, this world's so messed. This world is so messed. Like, come, Lord Jesus. We need to hold, and that's the reason why Revelation 19 was given, to give us a picture. There is coming a moment where Jesus will return, and these powers and principalities and rulers and authorities that have been wreaking havoc on God's people and this good earth that he made will be done away with forever. And all God's people said, amen. They said, Maranatha. So I want to read it and then we'll be done. This is the picture of Jesus coming back. This is like the climactic point of the whole book of Revelation. It says, then I saw heaven open wide. And oh, a white horse and its rider. The rider was named Faithful and True. Just a hint, that's, that's Jesus. He judges and makes war in pure righteousness. His eyes are 
blaze of fire. On his head, many crowns, all the crowns. He has a name inscribed that's only known to himself. I love that. That's a boss move. He is dressed in a robe soaked with blood. Wait, the war hasn't happened yet. Whose blood is it? Whose blood is it? It's his. And he is addressed as the word of God. The armies of heaven mounted on white horses and dressed in dazzling white linen follow him. A sharp sword comes out of his mouth so he can subdue the nations, then rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the raging wrath of God, the sovereign strong. On his robe and thighs is written the King of kings and Lord of lords. Next slide. I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to all flying birds in middle heaven, come to the great supper of God, Feast on the flesh of kings and captains, those slave drivers and those rulers and authorities, those people who have oppressed and destroyed and desecrated and degraded. Come feast on them. Eat your fill of them, free and slaves, small and great. And I saw the beast assembled with him, earth's kings and their armies, ready to make war against the one on the horse and his army. But the war doesn't happen. The beast was taken. This is no contest, y'all. And with him, his puppet, the false prophet, the beast from the earth, who used signs to dazzle and deceive those who had taken the mark of the beast and worshipped his image, they were thrown alive, those two, into the lake of fire and brimstone. And next week, we will talk about the lake of fire and brimstone and the end of all things that destroy and the beginning of God's new creation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We just say that it's true. And we will not lean on our own understanding. God, give us eyes to see this world differently. Help us not be duped by the beast. Make us a little more savvy, a little more aware, and give us the grace to stand in direct opposition to the counter kingdoms. Let us not fall for false gospels. Let us not be marked and moved and marred by the beast, but let us walk in the grace of Jesus Christ being marked and sealed by him, our names written in the Lamb's book of life. Let us embody the faith that we say we believe in our lives here and now. And we just say, come Lord Jesus, would you come and would you do away with these powers and principalities of this dark world? We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said. Amen.